It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. We got the football to talk about. Welcome to the program as media day was yesterday. And we appreciate you joining us because we've got a lot. Reaction to the Vols' first media session of fall camp as they hit the practice field Wednesday morning. That will have uh, today's tough question that might throw some people off, might frustrate some people, but here we go. Also, five players the balls can at least afford to lose if they're going to win a championship. Uh, Tennessee on a list of 17 teams that can make the college football playoff. I think that's quite possible. There's another team on there I'm not so sure about. Also, kudos to Alec Ablin, uh, named among the 30 coaches under 30, the top coaches, top 30 under 30. There can't be that many, can there? Uh, and uh, also the Pac-12 streaming deal, FSU's Board of Regents meeting. What does all this mean for the SEC? Well, it means they're going to expand, and we'll tell you what teams I think they'll take eventually when all of this shakes out, the 10 greatest seasons by a UT defensive tackle. So welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you might be watching. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Caleb, how are you, sir? I am tremendous. Football is underway. Basically, we get to now read every little thing into practice that we possibly can for four weeks, guys. This is the best time of the year because like, we actually get real speculation going on. <laughs> we 
We do. And I think that you're going to see even more speculation this year than in previous years. Because as I said yesterday, I thought that Josh Heupel would open up access a little bit. And Tennessee actually had players available in chairs uh, that you could do semi-one-on-ones with. That's a departure from the past. They're going to have freshmen talking, newcomers, uh, but freshmen as well, such as Khalifa Keith, who are going to talk to the media. Uh, That's pretty new. So I think you're seeing Josh Heupel get more and more comfortable. It's a vast departure from, let's say, Elaine Kiffin, who made everybody available from the get. Most coaches handle it just like this. Most coaches will handle it where they come in and they want to tighten everything up. And then as they have success, if they have success, they start to loosen it up a little bit. By the way, yesterday was uh, National Girlfriend Day. And uh, Lane Kiffin tweeted out a picture of his uh, girlfriend. I saw that. I saw that. That was hilarious. Is Now, Dave, given what you know, is that his only girlfriend? Do we know? I, I don't know, but... I also don't know if she's old enough to drink. It's time for today's tough question. And <laughs> it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. If you haven't set your notifications on, do so because we got all kinds of great things coming up, including the ball report with Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays. Celebrate 98 continues. Some big names coming up. Today's tough question, your major takeaway from the first media day that Tennessee held on Tuesday. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason of andymasonrealestate.com. Andy Mason at andymasonrealestate.com, 40 years of experience in that office. And with Andy Mason, I will tell you one thing right now, that he has the best service and the best prices in the biz. No need to go anywhere else. Your number one takeaway from Media Day, what stood out to you, Caleb Calhoun? You know what actually stood out to me? And and I'm going to be a little biased because I I covered this side more than the other side, but was the level of confidence that I saw in the defense. And I see a lot of confidence in this team as a whole. A lot of times they don't like negative narratives. We saw that from the start two years ago, Josh Heupel never likes the narrative that he did anything wrong in Oklahoma. And he will tell you straight up. He doesn't, he won't tell you. He doesn't think he should have gotten fired. He won't acknowledge he did anything wrong in 2014 though. Joe Milton yesterday would not acknowledge that he had a backseat to Hendon hooker. And I thought that really showed on the defensive side. They didn't really acknowledge that they were a problem last year. They think their cornerbacks are fine. They think it was injuries last year. And I, that that kind of stood out to me, that level of confidence that they had. There was an awful lot of confidence on defense, but there was confidence on defense in the middle of the season last year when uh, – I'm paraphrasing the quote, and I can't remember the player, but it was essentially people – Talk about uh, us having the number one offense. Well, we believe that we have uh, a number one type of defense. Well, that was a big reach, obviously, because they did not. And Jimmy Himes wrote about it on offthehooksports.com. But I'll tell you what stood out to me was this. And I'm going to go ahead and pull this up. This is Tennessee offensive coordinator Joey Halsley. And I know that some of you think I'm Joe Milton haters, and I'm not. I think everything goes best if he's the starter throughout the season. 
But Joey Halsley had this to say when he was asked about um, his his freshman quarterback. You know him well, Nico. Ia Maleava. Ia Maleava. And he was asked, would he be ready to go for whatever reason in September if he needed to? Here is Joey Halsley. If y'all were to need Nico early in the season for whatever reason, what would your level of comfort, confidence be in, in leaning on him? Huge confidence in him. That guy is mature beyond his years. Um, he didn't come in like a true freshman. He came in, one, wanting to learn, not thinking that, like, a, you know, highly rated recruit, I got it figured out. Like, he came in understanding, like, I want to learn, I need to know. And then the way that guy just has his calmness on the field, his just demeanor, I think the guys believe in him as well that if he's called upon to do a job, like that dude will step in and, and compete at a high level and perform at a high level. So we have a ton of confidence in that guy. That doesn't sound like to me that there's absolutely no quarterback competition. That doesn't sound like to me that they're 100% sure that Joe Milton will be the starter throughout. Let's remember that it was composure that cost Tennessee a possibility to win that Ole Miss game in which Joe Milton jumped out of bounds. And that may be completely remedied by this point, but it may not. And here you have Joey Halsley talking about the composure that Nico Iamaleva has. And I'll tell you, I don't, I'm not predicting anything, but here's, here's how I would put it. And, and Travis, I know you're already on me, but here's how I would put it. I thought there was a 10% chance that Nico could somehow wrestle away the job from Joe Milton during the season, barring injury. Where would you have been yesterday, Caleb, before media day? Would you have been even a 10% chance or less than that? I actually would have been higher, but I would have been 15 to 20, only because, not because of what Nico, but I just thought, we still weren't sure of Joe Milton, and I thought he could play his way out of the starting job because the issues that we thought were there before, there's no reason to believe they're still not there. I was at a 10% yesterday. I'm at a 30%. You can say it's coach speak if you want, but Joey Halsley has barely been in front of the microphone. He hasn't mastered coach speak. I, I think that was very genuine. I've got a pretty good coach sneak sniffer over the years. That wasn't coach speak. He meant it. He was absolutely complimenting Nico and in the process, I think opened up the door for Nico to make some sort of serious push. Again, for those that want to be Joe guys or Nico guys, that's not, that's not where you need to be. You, you need to be Tennessee guys. So if it's best at some point for Nico to step in there, then that may be best for the team. Now, that being said, I thought, during interviews that yesterday Nico was asked, would you be ready to step in? And he said, yes, if something happened with Joe, I, uh, I mean, he got hurt. So I get the feeling that he views it as a competition, which is good, right, Caleb? You want him to view it as a competition. You don't want him going into camp going, I'm going to lose this thing, right? And I also thought, that maybe there was a little bit of a bristle by Joe Milton at one point as we're bringing Caleb back in. 
I thought there was a little bit of a bristle by Joe Milton when he was repeatedly asked about um, Nico and his ability to come in. So we all say they're, they're brothers, they're good buddies, they're best friends, and all that's great. But the simple fact is Nico comes in here wanting to win the job. Nico is not coming in um, ready to be a backup, Caleb. Uh, Nico clearly wants to win the job and – Based off what Joey Halsley said, he has the skill set to do so. Robert calls it welcome to Wacky Wednesday. Perhaps it is. But that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I came away with, Caleb, is that there is an opportunity for Nico to win this job. And I'm talking outright. I'm not talking about Joe Milton making a mistake. I think Joe Milton starts the season. I think Joe Milton starts every single game this year, barring injury. But I have more doubt about that than I had before the Vols visited with the media in their media day. You? Yes. I also think that what you said right before I got cut off, um, I don't know what happened. I apologize there. But that Nico, I'm with you. I think he wants to win the job. And I think you want your quarterback to want to win the job. I mean, even if he is, even if he is the freshman, that's, that's the mentality. You don't want the quarterback to say, oh, I'm here to hold a clipboard for a year. You want the quarterback to always be ready to go. I mean, I hearken back to – 1980. This season could be like a 1989 campaign. Remember, Sterling Hitton played the first what five games, and Dave, you you were watching the year. I wasn't. I was one years old, so I wasn't. But my guess is Sterling Hinton didn't do anything to lose the job, right? They just felt they had a better chance with Andy Kelly the rest of the year. Yeah, and they did in retrospect. I mean, nothing at Sterling, who I love, but Andy Kelly was. Andy Kelly was a perfect fit for that team that had a ton of talent. He was a ball distributor that didn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, they were loaded at receiver, and they had two great running backs. They didn't need a running quarterback, really, to try to make plays himself. I agree. And it was a better fit. They won the SEC doing so. They finished 11-1, and they finished in the top five that year. So could you see something like that? Could you see Joe Milton start the year, do nothing to lose the job, but then the coach is just halfway through saying, you know, we got a better chance with Nico long-term. Let's throw him in there. Yes. I think that would take probably a loss at Florida, but I could see that being a possibility. Um, like they were undefeated when they have been Sterling Hinton. They were undefeated and just lost Richie Cobb. They start, And then they started Andy Kelly against Alabama. Yeah, that was pretty gutsy. Uh, I don't think they would rock the boat like that. And Joe Milton is a popular player on this team. No question about it. But they're not going to make a decision – Every one of these players that loves Joe Milton love, would love winning a championship more. Let's go ahead and tell you that. So if you, if you think for one second that because Joe Milton stayed around and he's a good dude, that they're going to stick with him because he's a good dude, that's not why they're going to stick with him, Caleb. Not at all. They're going to stick with him because he's the better football player. And if he's not the better football player, then he's going to find the bitch. Yeah. I mean, that's – Joe Milton, he's – you're right. The players are going to prefer winning. And I think the players are going to understand if Joe Milton loses the job, that it will be because Nico's better. I will say this is where it's different from two years ago, which we were talking about a couple of days ago. We felt Joe Milton. I felt from the start Joe Milton won that job because he was Heupel's guy. And I think that kind of split the locker room to a certain degree. I don't think that would be the case now because both of them are Heupel's guys. Both Milton and Iamaliava are Heupel's guys. So I, I don't think it would have the same reaction. I mean, you see this. Dave, how often do you see this in the NFL? How often do you see coaches 
stick with quarterbacks against the wishes of the rest of the team because they're like, hey, man, he was my guy. I wanted him drafted. So I'm going to go down with this ship and I don't care what the fans think. What <laughs> you know, And that's what it kind of felt that Heupel did with Milton, but it's not going to be the same with Milton and Iamaliava. Um, and have I seen anything out of Nico in spring or the Polynesian Bowl to say that he's the guy and he's going to be ready as a freshman? Yeah, I've seen enough ability. I haven't seen him in a scrimmage situation extensively. I haven't seen him in a college football game. So there's a lot more to see. And clearly, this is hypothetical. Just the tenor of the conversation by Nico, Joe, and Joey Halsley made me think that that's at least a possibility. At least a possibility. And I do know there was a lot of pressure or Tennessee's coaching staff felt pressure to take Joe Milton to SEC media days, whereas they might have taken someone else. Not Nico, but they might have taken someone else that's played more. I do know that for a fact. So they're aware of how they're being viewed and how they handle this situation. And it ain't easy because somebody brought up the $8 million that Nico's getting. So you have to not only make your football team happy by winning games, make your boosters happy by winning games, but at some point you're going to have to make whoever's shelling out $8 million for Nico. You're going to have to make them happy as well, Caleb. And And I've been friends with high school coaches, and I've known a lot of college coaches. There are a lot of times when a starting position is a close call. Caleb, we look at it in retrospect all the time, and we say, oh, they definitely should have started this guy. Look at him. He went on to be a superstar, and the other guy was just trash. But a lot of times going into it, it's 60-40. It's pretty close. And if it's 55-45, and it's a close call in the middle of the year between Joe Milton and Nico, why wouldn't you think about the future, especially if you got a loss to Florida in the background? Which I don't think they're going to lose that game, but these are all real possibilities. Um, this this could certainly happen. All right, so that was my impression um, uh, coming out of Tennessee's first media day, and Caleb's was the confidence of the defense. I certainly noticed that as well. Let's get to – you said 10 players in our 345 production meeting – this morning that the balls can't lose if they're going to win a championship or at least make it to Atlanta. I had trouble coming up with 10. Add that to this uh, if you would like. And uh, this is brought to you by Zen sports. So I'll go ahead and tell you my five that I came up with. I came up with Cooper Mays. I came up with Joe Milton because I think if something happened to Joe Milton, that, uh, Nico Iamaleva would make enough mistakes where Tennessee wouldn't be able to win a championship. Milton may do the same, but I don't trust a freshman. That's just me. Brew McCoy, because I think he's a cover one. I think he's a, a number one type of receiver that will dictate coverage. Then I went with Aaron Beasley, and I went with Jacob Warren, because I'm not sold on McCallan Castles as being the other tight end, much less the tight end. So those are my five players Tennessee can least afford to lose if they're going to win a championship in 2023. And that's brought to you 
by our friends at Zen Sports, and we absolutely love Zen Sports. The new sports book in Tennessee revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get, and you get their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days. When you sign up with the promo code HOOKED, HOOKED, that's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. So those are my five. Coop, Milton, McCoy, Beasley, Warren. Who would you add to that list, Caleb? Do you guys hear Dave over here? Milton's going to lose his starting job by Florida, but he's the second most irreplaceable player on this team. Well, first of all, that was no particular <laughs> order. And if they're going to win a championship, Joe Milton has to be the guy. So I don't think that's contradictory. If he's not the guy, I think they would be willing to go to Nico. But if they're going to win a championship, I think he has to be the guy. Dave, like, have you heard of this like cell phone or this calculator or anything in the 20th century? You know that like true freshman quarterbacks can win national titles now, right? Have you heard of Trevor Lawrence? They can. Can you name two more? <laughs> I can name retro freshman. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> Jalen, uh, um, not uh, uh, Jameis Winston and somebody else, but I'm just saying. Well, I don't, I don't, not just quarterbacks. I don't believe in freshmen as a whole until I see two or three games out of them. And then I think there's a freshman wall. So you, you're never going to get me on the freshman bandwagon. I've covered too much recruiting to know that basically 50% make it and 50% don't. And yeah, and nowadays in recruiting, 10% can start early, I think. Look, we should have learned this in 1997 when Philip Fulmer, because he was a freshman, didn't start Jamal Lewis in the first three games of the year. <laughs> One of the worst decisions I've ever seen a coach make. Well, they didn't They didn't run the ball either. That was the bigger problem. Um that, that was the problem with, with Tennessee against Florida in general. Um, you know, Mark Levine in that game didn't play terribly. Jamal Lewis is clearly better. But nevertheless, who who else do you have, the five the players that they can least afford to lose if Tennessee's going to win a championship? And I want to hear from the message board as well. Uh, let me get your thoughts as um, – I want to hear where Caleb goes from this because I'm having trouble getting past my five. What do you think of my five, first of all? Yeah, that, I was trolling your Milton one because you're Coop, Milton, McCoy, Beasley. And who was your fifth? Warren. Warren, Jacob Warren. Okay. Yeah. I have Jacob Warren on my top 10, and I have Brew McCoy in my top 10. I actually have them at six and seven. And I do have Milton down at number nine, believe it or not. And I agree with you with Cooper Mays at number one. But here are the other four, the real four. I got Wesley Walker at number two. Tennessee doesn't have a free safety behind him, and he really stood out last year down the stretch, so I think he's the new Trey Flowers. I've got, and here's a big one, Dave, Javante Spragans, right guard. I don't think Tennessee has a replacement for him at right guard if he goes down. They can't – they still – we don't know who they're going to find at left guard. So I would, I would add Spragans to my list. Okay. Um, so now, now I feel confident about six. I'm close on Wesley, but I'm confident – I got six now in, in my mind at least. Okay, so now this is a big one because they might be without him because because of the indictment, but I still say it's a big loss, but Jalen McCullough, I mean, now they might actually be without him because of the legal issues he's dealing with, and that's going to be a problem if they are because I don't think they have a safety that can back him up. He's the one veteran in the secondary, 
he's going to have to play some of Trey Flowers' role last year of covering for some deficiencies at cornerback. And if he can't go, Tennessee's in big trouble. So I got McCullough there. Fair. And then, okay. And then lastly, I've got in my top five, I got Amari Thomas. I think he's the one proven defensive tackle in on this list. You talk about the potential of Elijah Simmons, but Amari Thomas is the only guy that's proven anything. And if they're going to do what they talked about yesterday, bringing pressure without blitzing, they need Amari Thomas. No, I agree. He needs to collapse the pocket. Um, the other thing I like about Amari Thomas is that he, he's got really good gap responsibility. I don't think he gets a little loose when he's rushing the passer. No, you're you're right. Omari Thomas, there might be other guys with more ability that end up having a better season, but as far as a consistently good player, I think Omari Thomas is the most likely candidate for that. You mentioned Jalen McCullough. Purely that whole thing that gets drug on and on and on is going to um that assault charge is going to get taken care of before the season, you you would think. I mean Totally unrelated. I'm watching um, coverage of the Trump indictment. And so the problem is it's taken two and a half years. Well, that's the problem with our legal system. You pointed that out in general is it just takes forever. And I hope to goodness it doesn't affect this upcoming year based off what I've read and know. And I wasn't there. He, a drunk guy walked in his girlfriend's apartment and most likely you're going to get smacked for that. But I find it interesting you would have Wesley Walker as more valuable than Jalen McCullough, or which way would you Wesley have Walker is the highest-graded returning safety, according to PFF in the SEC. And it's because of the way he finished the season was so strong. That's why I have him ahead. McCullough is questionable in coverage at times. I think he's a better – I think he's a harder hitter. And he does come down with some interceptions, but in terms of actually, like, covering the field – I think that Wesley Walker has a better understanding of what to do in that regard. Also, want to point out, you pointed out the Knox County DA that's prosecuting Jalen McCullough is also the one that tried to that spent four years trying to bring up a charge against AJ Johnson that was that he was acquitted of in thirty minutes, and it's the same DA. Well, that's um, frustrating, and I, you know, I, I, I don't get into politics or the legalese of all this. I just know that in general that we need to move a little bit faster. And if a DA is trying to make a name for himself just by going after athletes and you, there are better ways to make a name for yourself. Now, uh, Todd, who I think is new to the program said flowers was too slow to cover for himself, much less someone else. You had a different take on Trey flowers and you, you mentioned it, I guess, midway through the season last year. And when I started paying attention to it, I, I thought you were right. I don't, th- I don't think either of us think he's an elite player, Caleb, but he is a guy that did have to cover up for a lot of mistakes in the secondary. So, and we now know that he had the myositis yeah. issue that he was dealing with towards the end of the injury. So I think we, I think we need to remember Trey flowers perhaps a little bit better than his performance would dictate. Is that fair? Yeah. Trey flowers senior year last year was very much like Jonathan Hefney senior year in 2007. Whereas Hefney mm. actually had a lot more hype, hype in 2006. But then Jonathan Wade, you remember, left for the NFL. And Hefney was a little more limited. So he had to make – these are players who like Trey Flowers. Because of Trey Flowers, it was his illness. But they couldn't be elite at safety, but they still were veterans and smart players. So they spent a lot of time trying to cover for issues that happened at cornerback to make sure they were kind of in the right position. You're right. They, Trey Flowers couldn't – he couldn't – 
scan the field with his legs the way he would you would want a free safety to do. He couldn't do what Deion Grant could do. I mean, that's for sure. But he could still make sure he he still had his eye on making sure that he was in the right spot if a cornerback got out of position. And he did that a lot last year. All right. Uh, let's go to Jacob Warren, who is on both of our lists. Uh, Jacob, what do people need to do that are listening now? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Yes, and don't forget to turn the notifications on. 17 teams designated as programs that can make a college football playoff. And remember, we're just still dealing with four slots. So did Tennessee make the list? Two minutes off the hook sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Here's as if we have a lot of new listeners on the message board, so we certainly appreciate that. Your thoughts on players that Tennessee simply cannot lose. We had somebody take the entire offensive line and the entire secondary. Well, there's your 10 guys. 
<laughs> that's a that's a little bit too easy. Uh, changing gears a little bit. So according to ESPN, 17 teams, that's 17 teams can make the college football playoff. What will this number be next year when it's 12 teams with 12 slots in the college football playoff? I mean, I would assume you go up to 50 teams at that point. If you're doing 17 for four, you do like 50 for 12, right? Also, because the biggest reason is the six automatic conference champions. Okay, like there is like how many teams that can win the American or the Conference USA or whatever? One of those teams is going to the playoff. Not very good point. All right, so let's let's take a look at these teams. And you tell me if they're real teams that can make the college football playoff and we'll start with Ohio state. I'm going to run through the, the ones that are pretty easy. Ohio state, Georgia, you tell me when to stop Alabama. Uh, I don't know that I like this one right here. So that's, Hey now, Hey now, Hey now, I got three right there. And then they've got Texas listed. That's crazy. Texas stop. can make the college football playoff. No, 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 no. Stop overrating Texas people. They are not making the playoff. If they win the Big 12, the Big 12 won't have a team in the playoff. No, I, I don't I don't see Texas at all. Um, uh, and then you have Michigan. Yes, Michigan, I think that's a big hey now. Hey now. They can make the college football playoff. Now is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. Southern California. For me, that's a hey now. They could make it. You? That's an easy hey now. They they could. They, I think they should be favored because they should win the Pac-12. I'm gonna go Clemson next. Clemson is a hey now for me because they play in the ACC, which may have about four members by the time we get to football season. But yes, they could make the college football playoff. <laughs> yes, yes, they can. Yes, Clemson can make it. And, and again, similar to the Pac-12, Clemson should make it this year. Honestly. So maybe this 17 number isn't as, as stupid as I thought it was. LSU. Hey now. I think they can make the college football playoff. Yep. They can easily make it. Okay. Now I'm going to go against the grain a little bit. Notre Dame. That's crazy. No. Sorry. Sorry. Don't see it. Uh, Marcus Freeman is a player's coach. I think Notre Dame is one of the teams that takes a major dive because I think they played – Hard for him last year. It was nine and four, and that was the best they could do. And I just am not crazy about this Notre Dame team in general, uh, but I'm not sold on Marcus Freeman as the head coach. I've always got a lot of concern whenever you hear players rejoicing when a coach gets hired because that means to me that maybe he's a little bit soft. Can Notre Dame – make the college football playoff according to you, Caleb Calhoun? Well, let's analyze this for a minute. Let's analyze uh, mid this. Mid so Notre Dame has to play three teams that we already named on the list. This is one of the tougher Notre Dame schedules. They have Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. USC is the week of midterms for Notre Dame. Dave, you and I know how it goes with midterms at Notre Dame. They don't let the players not take part in midterms, so – that's a loss right there. Notre Dame still believes an hour in the classroom is more important than an hour in the weight room. Not true. Weight room's more important. But <laughs> um, So that's a loss. So then you have to hope that if they lose one game, then they have to hope that they could beat Ohio State and Clemson. 
not happening. They're not going to the playoff. Not happening. I, does Notre Dame still get preferential treatment, you think, with the new college football? I say new. Um, it's not that new. But do they get preferential treatment like they used to get because they're Notre Dame? Do they still have that pull, that national appeal? It can't be the same as it was 20, 30 years ago, but it's yeah. got something. Where is it? If they were a 10, like if the college football playoff looks at them and says, man, if you can get Notre Dame in, that's a win. That's a 10. You've got to get them in there if it's close to them and Clemson. But where are they now? Is that a major pull for the college football playoff? Is that a huge get if they make it? I mean, I think it's I mean, significant because it's Notre Dame. I don't think it's monstrous. I mean, it's a pull, but I'm going to let's talk about media writers bias real quick. I actually think there's a bias against Notre Dame now, and I'll tell you guys why. There might you be. guys, Yeah, and here's why. You, you, wanna, you, you think about how SEC people feel about Notre Dame. Most of these writers are Midwestern. I can tell you right now, I know this firsthand. As the conference realignment started in the 90s and, you know, the independents started to die off and everybody joined conferences, Miami, Big East, Penn State, Big Ten, all of that. There is a genuine resentment in the Big Ten that among Big Ten fans that Notre Dame still won't join the Big Ten. They feel that Notre Dame gets the, the hatred for Notre Dame among Big Ten teams far outweighs the hatred for Notre Dame among SEC teams. And most of the writers are Big Ten writers. So, yeah, uh, yeah the, 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 there's a big hatred for them. Yeah. And then you got Oklahoma. That's crazy. I don't. I would be insane. How you feel about Marcus Freeman is how I feel about Brent Venables. Yeah, the only reason they're on this list to me is because they're a big name and it gets people talking, which is what we're doing. I feel the same way about Penn State because I don't think James Franklin is a closer, but they are on this list. Penn State. That's crazy. No, totally disagree with you. Penn State could easily make it because they they could. I forget. I, I believe they have Ohio State at home this year. No, they have Michigan at home this year. They're able to win one of the, they're able to win those games when they're at home. And if they go 11 and one, they could easily get in as a wild card team easily. So no, I got, I'm, I actually think Penn state has, and this might be James Franklin's best team that he's ever had. Okay. We'll see. Always be closing. And I don't know that James Franklin is a closer. Now, what about Oregon? Oregon, I would say. They can, but they won't. Uh, I mean, do you really think yeah, Oregon I, could beat USC for the Pac-12 title? Um, no. So you convinced me. That's crazy. I don't think Oregon. I'm, I'm going to say I don't think Oregon can, since that's the parameters that we threw that out there with. And then you have Florida State. I know what you think about Florida State. I don't feel as strongly as you do that they're going to be a complete disaster and let everybody down. But I'll tell you this, I don't think that they're going to win 10 games again this season. So I will go with a that's crazy for Florida state. They absolutely will not win 10. Well, no, they might win 10 games this year because I think they have a horrible schedule again, but yeah, it's the ACC, but they have, let's see, they're playing LSU. By the way, uh, you were off. I had Josh on. I'm setting the line for Florida State Clemson. I'll set it myself, 15 and a half, and I'll take LSU on the line. I'm sorry, Florida State LSU, that opener, 15 and a half, and I'm taking LSU to cover. Okay, all right. Uh, I think Utah. Hey, now. I think they could make the college football playoff. I think they would be a good story, and I think that Utah is knocked on the door long enough. We'll get to Tennessee here in a second, but, yes, I think 
I think Utah has a lot of respect from the committee, and it wouldn't surprise me at some point in the next three, four, five years if they made that. Well, I mean, they're going to make it when it expands, but um, it wouldn't stun me if they made it this year. Their special teams coordinator and cornerbacks coach's wife is in jail for five years for financial fraud, who was on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. That's going to mess with the players. So it's not going to mess with the players at all. <laughs> players don't even know her. That was a, a oh, they know her. Okay, she was a big deal on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, guys. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, you've got uh, you watch some interesting shows, and then uh, TCU. That's crazy. Here's why I'm saying that is because, um, man, you, you, you return just 11 starters from last year's team. That feels like a rise up one year sort of thing for TCU. Um, you know, Max Duggan, um, I just don't see that there's any way that they make a college football playoff two years in a row. Again, they returned just 11 starters from last year's college football playoff team. And uh gutsy quarterback, Max Duggan, isn't one of them. So I don't, I think he was special. I think he was every bit as special as Hendon Hooker was for Tennessee. I don't see how they possibly make the college football playoff two years in a row. You? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they're, that, that was a total fluke last year. They're not getting in. And then Wisconsin. That's crazy. Uh, I think Luke Fickle is going to be good. Luke Fickle is going to have success, but Luke Fickle is not going to go from, I think, seven and six last year to making the college football playoff. I just don't see that. Hey, Dave. Mm -hmm. Let me give you Wisconsin's schedule to start the year. Buffalo, Washington State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Rutgers, Iowa, Illinois. You don't see seven and oh there? You don't see seven and oh as a possibility? Yeah, no, I see seven and oh. And then they're 7-0, and and then Ohio State comes to town October the 28th. Loss. You don't think just the momentum of that could give them a fluke win over Ohio State? No, it's a loss. I think it's possible. <laughs> I think loss. it's a possible upset win. And Wisconsin goes undefeated, and then they play in the Big, Tw- Big Ten title game. And then if they upset Ohio State, they might get lucky and play Penn State in the Big Ten title game. Dave, it's possible. It's big possible. <laughs> I mean, it's a big loss. What's the rest of their schedule, uh, the remainder of their schedule? Who else is on Indiana, that? Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Well, it's a pretty favorable <laughs> schedule. And lastly, Tennessee, one of the 17 teams, as predicted by ESPN, that can make the college football playoff. Can they? Hey, now. Absolutely. I mean, they have to win two of the big three again. And they did that last year. And then they have to take care of business. At this point, I think they're going to be very similar to where they were last year in that five or six range, just just on the outside looking in. But I haven't released my official prediction yet. But I do think that Tennessee um, is, is certainly one of the teams. And if I did a top eight list instead of 17, Tennessee would be on it. How high would they rank in your eyes? Okay, top eight. How high would Tennessee rank? So this is tough because we got like I think Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan all have to be ahead of them, right? Yes. Okay, I got to put USC ahead of them because USC's in the Pac-12, and I just don't see anybody beating USC in the Pac-12 this year. So you have Tennessee somewhere along the lines of five, six at the end of the year. Well, I'm going. Yeah, Maybe and then, six, then there's. Seven. There's Clemson. Now, I'll say this. 
y'all know how high I am on LSU, but all things being equal, I might give Tennessee a better chance at the playoff than LSU just because the SEC East is garbage and the SEC West is a gruel is a grind for LSU. But oh. you know, we'll have to see. There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, go ahead and hit that like button, that subscribe button, and turn your notifications on because we'll have a wrap-up of practice over the a weekend from Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays. Looking forward to that. And, uh, and, and what about teams left off? Are there any teams? I mean, 17 is a lot of teams. Are there any teams left off of this list? I got two from the SEC, and give me your thoughts. Y'all know how low I am on them. I'm not high on them. But I think it's fair to say if it does work out, which I don't expect, Texas A&M would play their way onto the 17 list. Whoa. If, if, if the Petrino Fisher thing somehow works out, and it won't, but if it does, they have talent down there. They got a lot of talent. Okay. If they um, flip, that's okay. That's a big, that's a big if. But all right, who else? And okay, Dave. Don't don't me on this. Well, you can move me if you want. But uh, what do you think of Florida as a dark horse? Why don't you shut the hell up? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, they play Utah to start. If they play Utah and upset Utah, and then Joe Milton is as every bit as concerning as we thought he was, they get out of September undefeated in a top ten team at that point. Well, they're I'm not going to be. Saying. They're not going to be Georgia. So there's a surefire loss. Okay, they may not be Georgia, but wouldn't eleven and one get you into the race? Well, yeah, but being, it, I, I think they have a better chance than Florida State. Uh, I think they're beating Florida State this year. I would let's put it this way: I wouldn't bet on either one of them to make the college football playoff. Can we agree to? Can we agree on that? I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I'm just saying, if Florida State's on the list, Florida should be. <laughs> Um, yeah, people are high on Florida state and th- I mean, they should be that that's fine. And again, they're going to play in the ACC. I just don't, the, the biggest factor, let's say Florida and Florida state had the exact same roster and one has to go through the sec and one has to go through the ACC. SEC East though. Well, I think the sec East has gotten significantly better in a short mm-hmm. amount of time. Tennessee's East. better. Georgia's elite South Carolina. Um, I don't know that they have staying power. They've gotten better. Kentucky will have a bounce back year. They got caught up in the Will Levis tornado last year. Are you healthy? Are you not? And I think that really threw things off and what they wanted to do in Lexington. They're going to find themselves again, and that's running the football. So I don't think the East is nearly as bad as the ACC as a whole. Well, not as a whole, no, but I was seeing an ACC Atlantic. Since the Atlantic does have Clemson and Florida State in it, together but since i think florida state is overrated you are generally right and okay now coming to my generally you, thank you for giving me that I, coming to and my mind in, i might go to your in, side because florida does play in, lsu you're in the ballpark right is what you just told me you're in the <laughs> ballpark right so i will give you now in my head i'm thinking florida also has to play lsu and so having to play lsu although they get and having to play lsu on the road yeah, okay. You might have a point. That's too lost. That 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 that's too tough. I have my moments. Kudos, Alec Ablin, one of the top coaches in college football, under 30 years old. He's among the 30 under 30 coaches. This is a a, a pretty impressive list. I'm not at all surprised that he is on it. 
because there aren't a lot of coaches at big time programs that are under 30. Usually you don't get your big break until maybe your early or mid thirties. So what do you think of uh, Alec Ablin or do we really even know at this point what he's able to bring to the table? The thing that I like about Alec Ablin, and this was a list by uh, two, four, seven sports, but the thing I like about Alec a lot is that he's worked with the offensive line extensively throughout his career. So I think he's going to make, um, I think he's going to make Tennessee's tight ends, better run blockers, better pass protectors. And then ultimately the routes they run is going to determine by a guy named Josh Heupel. So he doesn't really have to do a lot there. So he could have as much success as any of these coaches under 30 years old, because he, he seems to be in just the perfect position to succeed. And I have no reason to believe that he won't based off the people that I've talked to, but what did you make of him being on this list? And then we'll play a little bit of four downs. Yeah, I, I, I was, Okay, so I'm with you. It's hard to find 30. I feel like it's hard to find under 30-year-old assistant coaches. So you wonder if the list is somewhat a default list where they they were like the process of elimination was, well, Josh Heupel picked him, so he must be <laughs> beyond there. Yeah, like the 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 searches you do sometimes for prospects and you say like from this state or from whatever or class of 2025, like maybe they just ran a search of assistant coaches under the age of 30, if that database exists. Yes, that's exactly what might have happened. But I will say this, Josh Heupel's last under 30 promotion was Kelsey Pope. And Kelsey Pope turned Cedric Tillman into a thousand yard receiver, turned Jalen Hyatt into a Politnikoff award winner. And we can question that, but I, I think what he did with Tillman is more impressive than what he did with Hyatt. But at the same time, I think he's proven himself and look at what Tennessee's doing on the recruiting show with wide receivers now with Kelsey Pope running it. So I think Heupel promoting Ablin, it this is one of those things where maybe you do say, I trust Josh Heupel because of what he's done with his promotions in the past. So he must know something. So I'm high on him. I think Ablin does understand certain blocking teams you bring that up and kind of and it's actually was really detail oriented with a lot of the rpo stuff which is kind of a big deal so i actually think this is a good hire too yep um all right here we go so it is time for four downs and it deals with tennessee's coaches and where do they stand with those guys and it's brought to you by our friends at Sports Treasure, Treasures right there in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. It's in the Halls area. If you're curious about that, the largest sports card and memorabilia store in the Southeast opened in 1989. Check them out, Sports Treasures under new management. And check out their Facebook page because they've got all kinds of incredible items. They do signings with Hendon Hooker and other NIL guys and. Uh, they, they treat you fair, and that's the cool part about it. Again, Sports Treasures, check out their Facebook page. They bring you four downs. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, so Ablin makes the top 30 under 30 coaches list. What down is it, Cooper Mays, so we can take a look at the rest of Tennessee's coaching staff? Coop here, first down. Thank you, Cooper. 
Tennessee's most valuable coach is? Oh, you mean outside of Josh Eiffel? I was going to try to get you on that one. Yes, outside of Josh Eiffel. It's Tim Banks. It's Tim Banks. I think it's Tim Banks as well. What down is it now, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Who will be at UT the longest? What current coach will be at Tennessee the longest? Glenn Ellerby. I think if Glenn Ellerby wasn't going to get promoted to offensive coordinator, I think he's a – which there's nothing wrong with this, but he's a career line coach, like Rodney Garner on the other side. He's a career offensive line coach. He's Mike Berry. He's Josh Heupel's Mike Berry. That's a throwback name for you. Yeah, that is a throwback name. Uh guy that uh, showed me uh, – like the way you're supposed to use your hands as an offensive lineman and physically started like uh, hitting me and stuff. And he goes, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Physical contact, it's uncomfortable. I'm like, no, I'm really okay with it. Before but, we go to third down, that was the biggest transition from 97 to 98. That's the biggest difference was hiring Mike Berry as O-line coach. And look at the difference in how the line played versus Florida. In the next yeah, year. and 98 to 99 was going from Kevin Ramsey to Larry Slate. All right, what down is it, Coop? Tennessee <laughs> Center Cooper Mays here. Third down. Thank you. Who is most likely to leave? What coach is most likely to leave? You might say an offensive coordinator like uh, Alec Golish. But I don't think Ablin's anywhere close to being ready for that, nor would he be considered. Who do you think's most likely to leave the soonest? Jerry Mack. And I say Jerry Mack because I think that even though he's a running backs coach and I don't see a coordinator future for him whatsoever, I see a smaller school that wants a great recruiting coordinator or a great recruiter to be their head coach. And uh, by the way, Dave, you I don't know how much you've covered coaching hires at smaller schools. Smaller schools make this mistake all the time. They hire recruiting coordinators or elite recruiters to try to bring the top talent to the small schools. Small schools, if you're listening, hire the X's and O's genius. You're not going to out-recruit the big boys. I don't care how good of a recruiter somebody is. I think it's Tim Banks. I think at some point having to put your guys out there 80 plays a game is going to get frustrating to him. And he's going to get a head coaching job maybe at a – uh, smaller school or he's going to maybe want to be a defensive coordinator where his guys don't have to run 80 plays. So I would say that's the most likely and maybe the most, well, as we referred to earlier, the most valuable coach on Tennessee staff, not named Josh Heupel. What down is it, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Who will have the best career among all assistant coaches currently on Tennessee staff? A couple of these careers are nearing the end uh, i'm gonna take this one first i think it's tim banks i just I, I i really like him and his ability to get his players rallied when they know they have to play as as much as they do i think you know what i think of some of his twists and stunts and blitz packages which i know he doesn't want to have to use as much but i do think it's a part of his dna uh, a column that you wrote addressed that. I think it's part of his DNA. I think he's always going to use twists and stunts, but he doesn't want to have to bring five and six guys repeatedly. So I, I will. I think Tim Banks is going to be a successful head coach somewhere. Um, I really do. I think I just I like the way he handles his business. I like him a lot. I'm a fan of Tim Banks. I still think that half of coaching success though is getting the right opportunities. Um, and I would say that Tim Banks to me. 
I don't think he's going to get the same fair shots because being the defensive coordinator holds you back a little bit at Tennessee. So I think it's going to be Joey Halsley still. I think because I think Joey Halsley is going to get a good job. Like Alex Golish got a good job in South Florida. That's a good first job for a head coach because it's very easy to recruit in Florida and you're at a smaller school. So he's going to be able to build his profile. Halsey's going to get one of those jobs where you worry that Tim Banks will get a job that's just a really bad group of five school that you just can't win at. Yeah. That's yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, and then it, it really, I think it depends on Golish. If Golish has success, I think you're right, but it would be Halsley. If Golish doesn't have success, then everybody says it's just Hypel's offense and it might be Banks. So, really, I think his Golish's success moving forward is really, really the key to this, right? Yes, I agree. I agree. What Golish does is the absolute key to what do, what's done with Halsley afterward. But I got to be honest, I think Golish is going to have success because he's running the right offense and he's in Florida and he's coaching a group of five school in Florida. And Dave, you know this, it ain't that hard to recruit a group of five school in Florida. You need gas money. No, it's, it's not hard at all. And I think he'll have success, but there's always a part of me that will wonder until I see otherwise is this just Josh Heupel's offense? Um, I think we saw what happened when the transition happened from David Cutcliffe to Randy Sanders. That was David Cutcliffe's offense. Fair? Yes, but that David Cutcliffe was a, didn't have a specific system. He was just a really good offensive coach who adapted to his personnel really well. Josh Heupel has a system, and we've seen that. Now, even though I think Josh Heupel is the best at running it, we've seen that system emulated in so many different levels of football across the country at this point, uh, Fordham tried it a few years ago and Fordham has now been dominating at their level. So I think the system itself is somewhat infallible. I think Josh Heupel is better than other coaches at running that system, but I, the system is proven at this point. Okay. All kinds of fun, crazy stuff happening in conferences elsewhere. It must be nice to be the big 10 or the SEC and know that you're on pretty stable ground and brings us to what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, so get us up to date here on what's happening at Florida State and the Pac-12 is falling apart. It feels like we say that every single day. But I want to discuss how that may affect the SEC. But uh, right now, FSU is in a people. Uh, people are just trying their best to get out of the ACC. People are getting out of the Pac-12, 10, 8, 4, 7, 3, 2, 1, because they're losing members left and right. But uh, give us the backdrop, and then we'll discuss how this could affect the SEC. Okay, so a couple of things happened. So... This was breaking news yesterday. It was so breaking that nobody cared about it, and it didn't even make the front story of ESPN. But the thing that's been holding the Pac-12 back is they can't get a media rights deal. Well, they seem to finally have been offered one, and it's an Apple streaming deal. Now, for those who don't know the streaming business, it's a bad business model for sports teams and sports leagues, unless you're the NFL, which can just demand however much money. Because... Dave, nobody's going to buy Apple TV to watch Pac-12 games. That's not going to happen. How much is all. Apple TV? I don't yeah. even know. I, I don't I've have Apple it. TV. You think uh, you got it? 
I think I got it. I got a bunch of streaming. I ended up, you, we did the cable cord cutting thing and we ended up paying more in the end. Um, if I'm, if I'm an Oregon fan, I would, I would buy Apple TV to see, Pac- or, or are we saying, I, I, I don't, I don't why thing, wouldn't you buy deals, Streaming deal, no, Oregon fans will. The problem with streaming deals is you make your money off streaming based on the brand value of the team not the market size because it doesn't matter where your market is. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're an Oregon fan in New Hampshire or Seattle. So the question becomes how many people in these areas actually care about their teams that would actually pay for the streaming deal. See, when it's a cable bundle, you don't really have the option when you buy cable. If the PAC 12 is in your market, you have to pay for the PAC 12 network or whatever. But if you get, when it's streaming, you get to choose more and be more selective. Sports leagues don't realize how subsidized they were over the years. So, look, I this may be the top- I'll tell you one thing it does, too, not to interrupt you, but when you go that route, it, it's going to limit your exposure. So you're not going to get bigger. Nobody's going to flip by, like, CBS or ESPN and see your game and say, oh, I want to watch that. If you're not subscribed, and I don't know a lot of people that stay up late at night, especially sports writers, you're kind of wired from writing and working that day, and they'll stay up late at night and watch Pac-12 games. Will all of those guys buy Apple TV so they can watch Pac-12 games? Probably not. John Adams probably will. Other than that, I don't know that a bunch of people are buying Apple TV. So your your brand, unlike the SEC and the Big Ten, is not going to get that exposure day in and day out because they're on a very easily accessible channel. Dave, that's a great point. Some of my favorite memories as a kid growing up watching college football – was I couldn't go to sleep on a Saturday night and just staying up Saturday night and flipping through the channels and I find some Washington Washington State game where the scores in the fifties or sixties and it's a basketball game and it was fun to watch. It was actually I, really good football. I got another one for you: the Thursday night game. Just flipping around, I can still remember where I was when Virginia beat Florida State, and that was in the nineties. Yes. And- had it not been on a very easily accessible channel, had it been on some streaming thing that I had to buy for the ACC, I wouldn't have ever seen that. But I, that's I was young at the time, really got to know what Bobby Bowden was all about and got interested in that and read a little bit about him. But you're not going to pick up any casual fans if you're on Apple. You're just not. No, not at all. And pay attention to how the Pac-12 responds to this, because to be fair, the Pac-12 hasn't actually taken the offer officially yet. I think, Dave, the Pac-12 was holding out for some possibility that even if they lose Arizona, that they might combine with the ACC, the holders from the ACC, which is where you get to this Florida State Board of Regents meeting this week, which Arizona did earlier in the week about trying to get out of the ACC and that grant of rights contract. Could there be some sort of saving grace where the Pac-12 combines with the ACC and the power teams with the ACC to save the conference? Or is it over and Florida State's going to the SEC and Oregon's going to the Big Ten and that's just how it's going to be? That becomes don't the question. you just do this? And I mentioned this yesterday and you think it's crazy. Why don't you just do this if you're the SEC? Go get Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, and then your West would consist of those four schools, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, Missouri. So I'm at one, two, three, four, five, six. You got Arkansas and eight. Oklahoma, seven and eight, nine, ten. 
Okay, but anyway, but anyway, go ahead and get it to 18 or 20 teams. Just go ahead and do it. Be the mega conference. What's the Big Ten's going to say about that? They're going to say, eh, man. Because then, at least, the thing I don't like about the Big Ten that's so stupid is you have two schools that are three time zones away. If you had a group of schools, I'm going outside the box a little bit here, Caleb, so work with me. If you had a group of schools that are on the western side of the United States, semi, like Texas, Texas A&M, it's kind of like the NFL model. There's something to that where they could travel to one another and they don't have to travel from Washington to Gainesville every year. I think build your own mega conference. It could be done with a couple of phone calls by the end of the business day. Okay, but everybody's forgetting how big the states are out west. So, yes, they may be in the t- same time zone, but Oregon and Washington are really far away from Arizona. Like, it's that's a, a plane ride. It's like an hour it, and a half plane ride. It's a, I think it's further than that. I think it's further than that. Hour and a half plane ride is like, it's two hours for me to fly from D.C. to Memphis. And I think or, that's closer than Oregon to and Washington to Arizona. We, we think they're, they, remember, western states are much, no, much I'm, bigger. I'm, I don't need a geography lecture here. I understand. But still, even if it's a two-hour plane ride, that's common practice, right? Two-hour plane ride's common practice. I think if you're going to do this, you got to, like, regionally try to get a, try to get one of the California schools done. Stanford or Cal. Just put yourself in the San Francisco No, I'm cool with that. You're not – no, no, no. I, I, you're greasing the wheels for me now. Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State. Clemson at a Utah Florida school, State. maybe Utah. Get Salt Lake, get the Salt Lake t- City in there. Somebody's going to pick up a phone call and make a mega conference. I, I look. The Big happen. Ten is the Big Ten is targeting that more than the SEC right now, and I will agree with you that the SEC is look their complacency with the ESPN deal. They let themselves fall behind. So I, the only thing I would say is they don't have to do that. Brand value matters more than market. And Florida, they got two brands in their backyard in Florida State and Clemson. They can just you, give them a call. But do you see how my thought process is different than just having two schools on the left coast? Right. I get what you're saying. Yes. You actually, they, you could actually create a full division on the left coast for just those schools out there. And I mean, I, I thought that from the start, my dream is that somehow all this works out with the SEC and the big 10 gobble up all the elite teams. And then they form the conferences within the conference. You know what I mean? So like the SEC gets like 24 teams and the Big Ten gets 24 teams and the SEC says, okay, we're going to have three 18 conferences. And that's your conference and they kind of run it. And the same with the Big Ten. So you kind of go back to regional things with just the SEC and Big Ten as the governing bodies, which the NCAA is right now when the NCAA is a governing body with no teeth. There you go. Smoky Hot takes up next. I remind you to hit like, subscribe, and you can even share if you want. Have those notifications on. The top 10 seasons by Tennessee defensive lineman. Smoky Hot takes off the hook. Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Yes, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. 
unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Welcome back. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Smoky Hot Takes brought to you by our friends at Tennessee Cider Company. Go to tnsidercompany.com. And Smoky Hot Takes today, the best season by a Tennessee defensive lineman. So let's begin to break that down. And how did you go about this, Caleb? Did you go about it as, hey, this guy has made a lot of tackles for a loss. He's a run stopper. Or did you lean towards sacks? How did you put that together? Because it's on Off the Hook Sports uh, uh, right now. The 10 greatest seasons by a Vols defensive tackle of all time. And uh, some pretty darn good ones up at the top of that list. But how did you judge them and the seasons that they had? Well, you can't lean on stats alone because... Unfortunately, college football decided not to record stats for defense for tackles and tackles for loss and sacks until the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And By the way, may I say something about that real quick? Can the NFL and college football, as big as they are and as much money as they have, not go back and count them up? Well, there's a problem. A lot of games weren't televised. There's some, there's okay. some games with no film. You would at least agree that the NFL could, right? NFL probably could. NFL okay. probably could. Anyway, that's, football, kind of, that's kind of a that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. They don't because the numbers would have been higher. Because if you it, notice, baseball's it doing certainly that now. Wouldn't be, it's, it wouldn't be Michael Strahan. Yes, baseball's doing that now. You notice they're trying to compile Negro League stats, but unfortunately, there was not the that. same coverage of it, so they can't fully get the stats. They're 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 close, but it it it's a it's painstaking work. By the way, how entertaining is baseball now with the pitch clock? I don't want to get sidetracked, but it's just a different game. I'm really enjoying baseball for the first time in a while. Oh, it's, it, it, it's great. And guess who's first in the AL East right now, Dave? I don't know. Malik Jackson is <laughs> number 10 uh, in 2011. Uh, he had to get through some Derek Dooley, but he, he managed that. Then Albert Hainsworth at number nine in 2001. What I remember about Albert Hainsworth, other than trying to hit Will Offenhusel with a pole during practice, (laughs) 
other than that was going to South Carolina. And Albert was South Carolina was one of those schools that recruiting got really dirty. And I know a guy that his mom lost his job because he went to Tennessee instead of South Carolina. She worked for the government and she lost her job. Albert Hainsworth's family was, was given a really hard time. And after Tennessee won, it was a little dig route on fourth and 14, I believe by Casey Clawson that set up the winning score at the end of the game. Albert Hainsworth had to be restrained from going into the student section and gave them all the one finger salute. So I've got a lot of good Albert Hainsworth memories. That's one of them that I can actually tell publicly. Uh, Dan Williams, very underrated player, a, a fellow Memphian. In yes, Dan Williams had two good years. And in 2008, you thought it was because Robert Ayers was lining up next to him and helping him out. But no, he actually upped his play in 2009. He really thrived in Monty Kiffin's defense, uh, Tampa 2, which also what helped too was Eric Berry playing up on the line that year. Remember, Eric Berry was almost more of a linebacker than he was a safety that year, even though he won the Thorpe Award. Yep, absolutely he was. And he did that in the NFL for quite a bit, too. Uh, Darius McCord, 1954. That's a little before my time. I'm going to have to take your word for it. And then Darwin Walker in 1999. He may still hold several weight room records because they don't do it anymore. One rep maxes we figured out are absolutely stupid. Uh, you can do a five rep max or a three rep max and use a calculator and figure out there's, there's calculators on the line determine about what your one rep max would be so it was around about probably the mid 2000s that they stopped doing one rep maxes i believe so he may still hold a lot of those records he was incredibly strong and probably overlooked a little bit because you had the haynesworths and the hendersons during that time dave you tell me i really debated this one because i didn't know who to give it to because there were two guys that both could have had that 99 list and i didn't know who deserved more credit darwin walker and i wanted to put Sean Ellis there. I went with Walker because I feel like a defensive tackle has more to do with the rush than the defensive end. I feel like the end benefits from the tackle more than the tackle from the end. But God, that, that's got to be the best like defensive tackle defensive end combo Tennessee ever had, right? Darwin Walker, Sean Ellis. Yeah, got no issues with you saying that. Doug Atkins, 1952. He's the best defensive lineman that ever played for Tennessee. And I say that knowing who Reggie White is. He uh, when you, When you factor in who he was at his time he was a phenom athlete like victor wampamiyama i mean he was just a different kind of athlete in 1952 i'm glad you picked jesse mahalona in 2004 you talk about a guy that absolutely was 110 percent on every play if he thought he he had more shoestring tackles if that was a stat more diving shoestring tackles than any player that i've ever seen in my life yeah, and Jesse Mahalona was an, un, you know, that was at a time when pe people were starting to realize they were for taller defensive linemen, and Mahalona was very undersized, but he used his leverage for being undersized probably better than any defensive tackle I had ever seen. And it made him, I, I still say, just purely as a run stopper, since I've been watching the best run stopping defensive tackle I've ever seen at Tennessee. Then you had Steve DeLong at number three, John Henderson at number two in 2000. He was uh, pretty good. That two Outland Trophy winners, DeLong and Henderson, 64 and 2000. Henderson, it's fu it's 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 funny because you had him on Celebrate 98, but looking back, I I'd love to ask Fred White about it because 
Henderson was thrust into the starting role in 99 after Billy Ratliff got hurt. But I'm like, I feel like John Henderson should have been starting from the start, even though he was young. I just, I'm sorry. He just, that was a freak of nature. Do you remember when the slapping came out when he was with the Jaguars? (laughs) Remember how he'd get, he'd get fired up for games and a guy would slap him as hard as he, as he could to get fired. Come on, Joe, that ain't good enough. I mean, I had, that he was such a quiet guy. That was a stunning video to me. Absolutely. By the way, just got inducted to the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame two Saturdays ago. Ron Slay introduced him. Oh, good deal. I, I was not aware of that. Is Ron in yet? Is uh, I do not know if Ron is in yet. Um, well, he needs to be in. He needs to he be. He does. In. And then, yeah, that was a week after we were at SEC Media Days, funny enough. Okay, well, he, he needs to be in. No question about it. And then... Uh, you got a guy named Reggie White. Um, who, 1983. Yeah, in, in 1983. And uh, what a special player. And um, I hate that his, his life ended way too early, but a special player. I, I met him only once in an airport, and he was in a hurry. It was a handshake, and that was it. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a, what a special individual. A really intelligent guy, too, that – was obsessed with learning more about religion and he was uh, i think christian for the, the most part of his life but really uh in into studying uh judaism at one point i just i just thought he was a very fascinating person the type of guy that i would like to sit down and talk to for an hour and see what came out of it yes and for people who question because reggie white played defensive end in the nfl that's true but he was a tackle in college which actually makes the record he set for 15 sacks all the more insane and i feel like reggie what i've learned with defensive tackles what you just told me about john henderson being quiet what we've learned about albert haynesworth where you had to like trigger him to get angry and what we learned about reggie white is to be an effective defensive tackle and win those battles there seems to be a really tough mental spot you have to put your head in and i don't know where you i don't know where that spot is you know what i mean but you really have to have the right headspace to be able to win with the guy in front of you it's almost like dave you tell me the fundamentals of playing the position well i'm not saying you're this but i hear like ufc fighters do they 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 feel at peace when they're fighting in the ring and they're taking those hits where somebody like me i'm like i don't want that type of pain but it seems like that's that seems like i think think everybody's different you and i were having this conversation about people that there are players that smoke marijuana before practice or game. Some people like to be in that zone. Some people like to be in that physical zone. Hainsworth is a great example of a guy that wanted to go out there and he acted like he was angry at every single person that had ever walked the face of the earth period. And he was able to turn it on and off with Jeff Fisher. And I think Jeff Fisher was the perfect coach for him, except for the one incident against the Cowboys. But, um, you know, I think we've seen, Albert struggled to turn that off at times just in, in normal life as well. So uh, but Reggie, yeah. it was about being at a peaceful headspace on the line when he, w- he was like at peace when he was about to rush the passer. Yeah. I would like, that would be one of the first questions I ask him is what, what was your headspace like when you played in games that I would be really interested in that answer for, for a guy that was so at peace off the field to wreak havoc on the field and, and be a guy. And it's still phenomenal to me. And I haven't seen anybody do this since, but that power move that he had where he would get up under a guy's arm and be able to throw practically a 300-pounder aside. We're talking about an NFL offensive lineman. 
that to me was absolutely bizarre tomorrow on the program josh ward will join us don't forget to hit that subscribe button like and share turn your notifications on celebrate 98 will roll on and we'll have the ball report with cooper mays and jacob warren coming up this weekend a cool collected monster that was reggie great line tom but i can't end it better than that he's caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off the hook sports with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply